We have a, uh, a new program we're also starting to help those of you who are unemployed be able to give generously to the church. <laughs> Our treasurer is the only one laughing. That, that, you should be going, amen, brother. Praise the Lord. It's, uh, I'll tell you about it later. Did I already ask you to open your Bible to John 17? There we go. I get my, I'll get my stories in the straight order here. <clears throat> this week I had my uh, six-week visit with the orthopedic surgeon who said my shoulder is ahead of schedule for healing, so I'm ready to be Pentecostal. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I still have to be very careful, so I can't really do any real work for another couple months, you know. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I've been really blessed. This has been one of the nicest doctors and skillful as well that I have ever had. He's never in a hurry. He doesn't run in and run out. He's patient. He answers my questions. Uh, and I think because of his excellent work is probably why I'm ahead of schedule. You know, I, I think he's done a, a great job for me. Um, it's a privilege to have a good man caring for me. I, I value that highly, as all of you do, or a good woman. We have a lot of great well, female doctors as well. But as great as that is, the greater blessing that is shared with us in John 17 is the blessing of having Christ not only care for us, when he died on the cross, but continuing to care for us in his prayer life. Here in John 17, he prayed a, a, a magnificent and, and large prayer, uh, presumably in the hearing of the disciples who became the apostles. But he says in verse 20, I'm not praying for just these, I'm praying for those who will believe. That's you and I, who were not yet even born much less had come to faith in Christ. But he says, I'm praying for them. And we know from other scripture that he has an ongoing prayer ministry. And so we've been learning from this prayer what Christ prays for us. And that does two things for us. Number one, it tells us what his desires are for us. If you're in a place in your life where you're saying, I, I wonder what God expects from me. This chapter tells us that. But it also tells us that God is empowering those things that he expects, and he's helping us to accomplish them as believers in Christ. Please follow as I read, starting in verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, the words from the previous, and then he lifted up his eyes and he said this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the man whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, 
they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but I pray for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled." But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them or protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And now the verses that we're going to consider today. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. On Jesus' prayer list are two things that we're going to consider today. And the first is this is that Christ wants us to be sanctified. I should say there are two things within the one, the one idea of sanctification. Now, if you're here for the first time, uh, I hope you're not put off by, the, by some of the large words that are in the Scripture. But unfortunately, when we translate the Bible, some words are a little bit foreign to our English language. And the word sanctify is one of those words. But I want to try to help you understand it because it is so important both in our coming to faith in Christ and in our living out of our faith to Christ. So what is the meaning of the word sanctify? The word sanctify means to be set apart. Literally means to be set apart. Now in the Greek language you can change a word from a noun to an adjective to a verb just by putting different endings on the word and, and this you know, the New Testament was written in Greek, and so sometimes this word is translated sanctify, and the more common word you're going to be familiar with is holy. When it talks about a condition of a person, if they were sanctified, you could say they are holy. But if it, it usually when it's, in a, when it's an action word, when it's a verb telling us to do something, it's in the form of this word sanctify. In this, in this word, this word is most often in the New Testament to speak of this. People being set apart or sanctified to God by virtue of their God-given character. When you accept Christ as your Savior, God takes away your sin. And he places within you the righteousness of Christ. You are now a new person. And by virtue of the fact that you have the righteousness of Christ, that makes you holy or special or set apart, sanctified. You're not common anymore. You're special. I know sometimes when we use that word, we are making fun of folks who have certain difficulties and especially making fun of others. And we say, oh, you're so special. 
But in this sense, we ought to take it quite seriously. God says, when you come to faith in Christ, you become special within the world of people. Not by virtue of how great you are, but by virtue of him putting the righteousness of Christ in you. You move from being common to being uniquely good. In John 15, Jesus put it this way, If you were of the world, the world would love you. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The reason I put this verse there is to give you this idea of set apart. God says that in the world of people, come on, boom, there, that'll wake you up, huh? Let's see if I can tip this one over too. Thank you, Andrew, or Derek, sorry, bud. You're not that special. God says that in the world of people, that's okay, just leave it there, that's great. In the world of people, when you come to faith in Christ, God sets you apart. Now, he says elsewhere in this text, he says, you're not removed from the world. You're still in the world, but in terms of how God sees you and in terms of the reality of your person, you are now a unique God creation with the righteousness of Christ. You're not not run-of-the-mill anymore. You are unique. You are special in comparison to the things of this world. God makes you a Christ, a Christian, a Christ one. When God saves us, he reaches down to the world and he draws us to himself so we will believe. When we believe, we are cleansed from our sin. God picks us up out of the worldly sphere of existence and places us in heaven with him. But God, who is rich in mercy, he raised us up together and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. When you become a Christian, you become a member of God's household. That makes you set apart from the common of the world, from the sinful of the world. Again, it's not because of your greatness, but it's because of the greatness of Christ put into you. I told you I was going to tell you how folks who are laid off can give to the church. Well, a couple of weeks ago or so, maybe three weeks ago, we had some old microphones sitting in the back room. They don't work well enough to use kind of Johnny Carson microphones, you know, like they'd sit on the desk and have a big thing up here and And I said, uh, hey, Randy Hill, you're an eBay guy. See if somebody will buy those microphones. Got the special box, you know, wood box with vinyl all over it and the velvet inside. Boy, must have been pricey when they were bought. So he put them out on the eBay. And he came into church. He says, there's 40 people watching the auction. (laughs) And at the last minute, Zoom, a guy in Austria is going to pay us $1,000 for those two microphones. Isn't that the coolest thing? And not only that, but the guy is kind of something in Austria. He's a professional comedian. He's a known figure. Randy Googled him, and there he is. He's, he's kind of a, and he's a collector, obviously. Our microphones went from the back shelf in the storage 
to some collector's antique cabinets. That's what happens to you when you accept Christ. You're just average. You're just common. And God takes you and he says, you're mine. You're a child of God. You're a special thing. You're a special person. You are righteous now. You're not, you're not like the sinful world. You've been set apart. Now, how does God do this wonderful work? Look at verse 19. Jesus said something here that might cause us to be kind of scratch our heads because if sanctification for me happens when i become a believer when i put my faith in christ and my sins are washed away and the righteousness of christ is put in then what does it mean for christ to say for their sake i sanctify myself so they may be sanctified by the truth does that mean christ had to get saved or be forgiven from his sins no the root meaning is the same christ said I have put myself completely at the disposal of God. Remember, the meaning of this word is to be set apart to God, for God, for his purpose, out of the common. Jesus said, I have sanctified myself. I have completely put myself over here at God's bidding. What does that mean? Well, what it means is something like this. Father... If it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. These words, these verses are from the episode of Christ being in the garden of Gethsemane, praying and talking to God and in his, in his perfect nature, he knew how terrible what was coming was. And he said, Father, if it's possible, if it's possible, if there's some other way we can save mankind, please let me not go through this. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. And of course, he did go through the crucifixion and, and death and the resurrection, all of that for us. That little phrase right there, not my will but yours be done, begins to tell us what sanctification should mean to us. When we are saved, God takes us and seats us in the heavenly. We are righteous in front of him, and yet in our day-to-day walk, we need to be saying, not my will but your will be done. Jesus Christ modeled completely putting oneself at the disposal of God when he did this. And the result of him putting himself completely at the disposal of God was that he did go to the cross and he did purchase for us salvation, making possible for our sanctification. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The way that God is able to make you righteous and to change your life is through the sacrifice of Christ. Hebrews 10 puts it this way. 
by that will we have been sanctified. We have been set apart to God through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Hebrews 10.14 says it this way, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And Hebrews 13 puts it this way, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Because mankind sinned and rebelled against God, starting with Adam and Eve, God said, I have to provide a payment for sin. Somebody has to pay for sin. Either mankind will suffer forever in hell, suffering my wrath for sin, or else someone else who can take that wrath will have to take it. And so Jesus Christ, the eternal second person of the Godhead, took on a human body and came and offered a perfect sacrifice. He shed his blood and was able to take the wrath of God without being uh, consumed, without being uh, suffering in hell, if you will. He was able to take that punishment because he was the Son of God because he was sinlessly perfect. And so God's wrath was satisfied. And God says, now, what is your responsibility? How do we get that sacrifice applied to us? Here it is. Paul said, this is my mission in life, to open the eyes of people in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. When you put your faith in Christ, you become sanctified. You become set apart. You become God's special child. Now, Christ doesn't stop there as he talks about sanctification. He says, I'm praying that they will be sanctified, but he tells us how the sanctification comes to us. Look at verse 17. He says, God, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What we understand from this is that sanctification is not only a work of God, it's not only something he has to do in us, but it is something that is a truth based process the beginning of sanctification which we have been talking about is our salvation it was accomplished by christ on the cross but it's communicated to us by god through his word without the written word of god we would never know about the person of christ jesus himself used the written word of god to bring people to faith in himself look at this And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is Jesus after the resurrection walking on the Emmaus road with these two disciples. And they were trying to understand who Jesus was and what what was going on. And so he goes back and with the Old Testament preaches Christ to them, preaches himself to them. But he didn't do this. Here's the deal. He didn't go poof, with a magic wand and make, let's say, a tree appear out of nowhere and go, believe me. I was watching a a crazy old movie last night. The guy says, do you believe in magic to to this old Asian man? And he goes, well, certainly. Well, how can I believe in magic? And he holds his hands up like this and blue flame or blue sparks go between his hands. Well, just look at that. You know, Jesus could have done that. 
Jesus could have went, believe in me. And people would have went, whoa, you're the man. Right? Just like you do when you get around that big, mean, ugly person at work who's bullying you. You believe in that person, right? As long as they're standing there. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't do some fantastic miracle. He said, here's what you need to know. Why did he do that? Listen to this. Then Jesus, no, this is, this is, uh, this is the rich man who was not a believer and he went to Hades and he's there suffering and these are his words. Then he says, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, send Abraham, he's talking about Abraham, to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let me paraphrase you, paraphrase for that. They have the Old Testament. They have the Bible. Let them listen to those. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if somebody goes to them from the dead, then they'll repent. If there was somebody in Ferndale that you knew really well and you went to their funeral and a week or two later they walked into this church, that would have an impact on you. That's what he's saying. Okay? But look what Jesus said. If they do not hear or if they will not listen or believe because of Moses and the prophets, that is the Old Testament, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. This is really important, folks. If you're waiting for a miracle of some visible kind, you know, something to drop out of the sky or pop up out of the ground so that you will believe, you're going to go to hell because God isn't going to do that. He says, I have given you everything you need to know for life and godliness, starting with salvation. It's all here. And that's why Jesus said, sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. This is the truth that will lead you to a relationship with God. This is the truth that will lead you to such a relationship that your life will be transformed. There's no miracle that is going to cause you to believe. It is God who will cause you to believe through his truth. And so what we understand here is when Jesus prayed for us to be sanctified by truth, the beginning of that sanctification, our salvation, happens through the word of God. But that isn't all that happens through the word of God. Our sanctification not only begins with the Bible, but it is developed through the Bible. We need the Word of God to come to faith in Christ, and we need the Word of God to become like Christ. Listen to these words of Jesus to the disciples just just a a few hours before he says, um, John 17, You are already clean because of the Word which I have spoken to you. Now abide in me, or stay in what I've already taught you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We abide in Christ as we choose our behaviors based solely on what God has told us to do. That's how we abide. We don't abide by some emotional feeling or by some miraculous happening. 
we abide by obeying what he has told us. Second Peter tells us that we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Now, God doesn't promise that we're going to become gods, but he promises that we can have the character of Christ, the perfect, sinless, loving, uh, blessed character of Christ. We can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. 2 Corinthians 3 puts it this way, We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image of the glory of the Lord, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He says this, this book right here is a mirror. And when you look into it, if you let it affect you, you are transformed day by day. You're not the same person you were yesterday or the day before. That's why in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus says, teach them to observe all things I have commanded you. When he talks about discipleship, he says, teach them to obey. Now, here's where where the rubber starts to meet the road. If you are on Jesus' prayer list, according to this passage, if you are a believer in Christ, then he is praying for you. And here are some things that he may be praying or not praying. He's not praying you'll be more regular in your church attendance. He's praying that you'll be more open and interested and hungry for God's truth as it is taught in the church and that you will be more diligent about applying what you learn. It's so easy for us to slip into a a mentality that this, the, the, this, like, I, I get a gold star every time I show up at church. God must be happy with me. And what God wants is for you to show up at church and learn and be taught by other people, whether it's Sunday school or, or welcome room, as you share together, and then to go out and live that. That's what it means to be sanctified, to be set apart for God's use. God is praying that you will not be satisfied with your current level of godliness, but that you will be thinking and acting like the Apostle Paul who said, I'm pressing on to become like Christ. Every time we sing the song, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, and I I hear that little phrase, pressing on, I think of a guy named Barney Dyke. Was part of this church a long time ago, then they moved to Everson, and they were part of our church when I was a first a pastor and he would sit about where carl is sitting and carl remembers him from those days and uh, he was a a big old swede or norwegian apologies to whichever and uh and he'd go amen real and he had a real deep voice you know and sometimes he'd wake up and say it at the wrong time (laughs) most of the time he was right on but the thing that barney was really known for was when you when you saw him when you shook his hand walking in the door he'd say are you pressing on brother and I don't know how old Barney was. I mean, I was a, a young whippersnapper, and he was really old, you know, to me. But he was pressing on. He'd talk about going out to the auction barn where all those really godly men are every Wednesday and witnessing to them. He was pressing on. And he was encouraging other people to press on. And that's what Jesus is praying for you. He's not up in heaven going, Oh, man, they are so good. God, let's give them a vacation this week. 
Just take a little vacation from reading your Bible, from working on Godliness. No, he's up there going, hey, you did good this week. Let's see how far you can make it next week. He's praying for your sanctification. You see, sanctification is a thing that happens both all at once. You're set up with God in heaven, and it happens day by day. And Jesus is saying, Father, take your word and make them more like me every day, every day, every day. That's why he's not praying that you will successfully argue the merits of a certain theology or the value of a certain Bible translation, but that you will live more of the truth which you work hard to defend. That's why we need to really embrace this truth from 1 Peter. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby you will become like christ in proportion to your intake and application of god's word in your daily life and i i just boy i just can't emphasize this enough because the 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 reason for the problems we have is our lack of Christ-likeness. Nobody who becomes like Christ gets up in the morning saying, boy, I don't want to get out of bed today. Nobody who's living like Christ looks out at their world and goes, boy, this is a blanking world. Nobody who's living like Christ is frustrated and stymied and stuck. But as we dedicate ourselves to learn the truth and live the truth, we become more like Christ. And do you remember what that said from Corinthians? We're transformed into his glorious image more and more and more. But sanctification is not an end in itself for us. Sanctification is the foundation of ministry. Look what he prays right in the middle of this talking about sanctification. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified. Christ is our model in sanctification. Uh, Merrill Tenney in his commentary said this, In one sense, Jesus could not make himself more holy than he was But if the word sanctify is understood as dedicate, then the meaning becomes clear. Jesus set himself aside from all defilement, repulsed all temptation in order that he might discharge completely his spiritual responsibility to the disciples. Do you understand that? While he was sinlessly perfect from the moment of his conception, he was tempted... What does the scripture say? In all points, like we are. So daily, he had to say, no, no. He had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. He had to say, Satan, man, does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He daily set himself apart to God and from sin. He said, no, no, so that he could be prepared for the cross. One sin, and the work of the cross would have been null and void. And so he set himself apart from sin. 
daily said no to it, no to it. And in that sense, he is our model. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You see, the other side of this, 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 this uh, truth, the other side of the coin of sanctification is, if you are sanctified, you will be able to do God's work in the world. You'll be able to do it, whatever he calls you to here. If it's sing in the choir or teach a class or sweep the floor, whatever it is, it requires a godly outlook and a godly mentality and a godly commitment. And if you are being sanctified, you will be a vessel that is honorable. The word vessel, a, a container. It's like, you know, if I bought my wife some flowers, I, I wouldn't get something out of the garbage to put the flowers in. I go into the cupboard and look for the nice vases and put them in there and make it look nice. God is the flowers and you are the vessel, the vase. And when you live righteously, you're not some old pop can out of the garbage. You're a nice cut glass vase ready to be useful to God. Jesus said, I've sent them into the world just like you sent me into the world, Lord. You know the word sent here is apostle. That's where these guys began to be called apostles. They are the sent ones. That's literally what it means. But you are sent ones. Now, you're not apostles like Paul, but you are an apostle. You are, maybe we could better use the word ambassador. Look at this. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sin to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors. We are sent ones for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christian, you are not made righteous for your own pleasure. You are made righteous to serve God. That's why he tells us to sanctify the Lord. Your Set God apart in our hearts. Be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you of the reason that is with of of the hope that is in you. We are on God's prayer list if we are believers in Christ, and he is praying that we will walk righteously so we can minister effectively for him. Back in the old days, when I was in grade school and middle school, they had this, this brutal, archaic practice of choosing teams to play games in P.E., so everybody line up over there, you know, and the old crusty PE teacher, and they'd look out there and pick the two most athletic boys. Say, okay, Johnny and Bobby, you're the captains. Come on over here. Okay, Bobby, you pick first. Now, do you think I got picked at the beginning of that process or at the end of that process? Most of the time, I was right down there saying, oh, God, don't let me be last. It's humiliating. You've ever been through it? 
You know what, Christian? Nobody, no Christian is chosen last on God's team. We are all, we are all set apart to God. We are all sitting with God in the heavenly places. We all have the potential to walk with Christ and live for Christ and live like Christ and minister for Christ. There's no difference. And the great blessing is that Christ is praying for us that it will happen. When you pick up the word of God today or tomorrow morning and you say, God, I need to be more like you, Jesus is going to be praying for you. He's going to be saying, God, open their eyes. God, help them do the right thing. I want to encourage you today to to live out the prayer of Christ of sanctification. Heavenly Father, Use your word today. It is what sanctifies us. Cause your truth to be powerful amongst the people sitting here and this man standing here. Help us to become more like Christ every day. Father, as we do that, use us. Let us see your hand at work around us in the church and outside the church that your hand of ministry, of, of reaching out to those that we know. We pray in Christ's name.